Hello and welcome to the Change in Education podcast. As the UK's largest education business partnership, the Change in Education group delivers the best in-class work experience and careers management services. Why not find out more? Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk and send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. Hello and welcome, my name is Amos Madra and in this week's show, company directors and co-founders Matthew Hodgkinson and Stephen Hackney discuss career strategy and careers fairs and we ask if they're outdated. Hello and a very warm welcome. Here we are week seven and this week our focus is on career strategy, careers fairs and then we'll also ask if they're outdated. So warm welcome to Matthew and Stephen, of course, company directors and co-founders here at the Changing Education Group. Matthew, starting with you today, good morning to you. How are you? I'm well, Amos. Happy Wednesday morning. It's cold Indeed. in Manchester. It's, <laughs> it's, not, it it's not raining, but it's uh, it's very, very cold. Yes, yes, indeed. It is uh, getting a bit nippy as we get closer to Christmas and towards December. Uh, but yeah, a busy time as well for schools, um, you know, thinking about doing careers fairs next year and, uh, you know, planning for those uh, appointments for students to make sure you know, they're getting seen to by uh, careers advisors. What's your thoughts, Matthew, in terms of uh, the career strategy? Where do you think things stand at the moment? Well, I've just got off. I've just got off the phone with uh, with our, our lead delivery manager, uh, Craig, and we've just been looking at all the schools that we're working with this year, and uh, not as many as in previous years. The schools are obviously yeah, slower this year in getting to the uh, the marketplace and thinking about the wider career strategy. I think, I mean, I'm, I mean, just for context, we're working with 130 schools this year. So we're delivering a range of services, work experience, careers, and they're going to be fitting, fitting us into their career strategy this year. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's different this year. Schools would normally have a lot of external events uh, that have a lot of, uh, a lot of visits. Students will be going to a lot of places to uh to, to hit those gatsby benchmarks and uh, a lot of external speakers as well would be visiting schools and most schools will have that classic careers fair that we're going to touch on as well amos but i think this year is going to be going to be different you know we're, we're feeling the strain this year in getting all the stakeholders together so a career strategy has a lot of extra stakeholders you know it could be uh professionals that come in and, and really drill down on uh, wider inter- interpersonal skills with students, which could be a mock interview day. They will also have uh, the opportunity to experience the world of work. They'll have taster days of different careers uh, and, and they will have, uh, you know, just a, a plethora of, of, of external speakers coming in, not necessarily always about the world of work or careers, just generally about uh, how to live your life uh so we we fit into that model at some point this year july if it's work experience weekly if it's career advice and guidance but it's been really interesting to see how some schools have well some schools are still managing it despite the pandemic and some schools are kind of still putting it 
on the back burner. And obviously we don't like students to miss out on anything careers related because we feel it's more important than your qualifications. But this year it's gonna be very tricky to get those external speakers to actually come into school and vice versa. Very difficult for a school to even think about arranging for a trip outside with a group of students go and visit a workplace. AstraZeneca, for argument's sake. AstraZeneca in, in Macclesfield. I've always done fantastic taster days. So this is this is South Manchester. Uh, and AstraZeneca have got they've got units across the, the UK. They've always done fantastic taster days for hundreds and hundreds of schools. They're not doing it this year. You know, obviously, you know, they make they make, they make pharmaceuticals, they're making the uh, the vaccine. They've decided this year, and I we can't, I can't disagree with their decision but they decided not to offer these taste days but that, that 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 impacts on hundreds of thousands of, of young people uh because i'm pretty sure that, that my, my example that i'm citing is astrazeneca but i'm pretty sure that a lot of other uh industries in, in medicine and pharmaceuticals will not be offering those taster those uh you know those, those off-site days as well which will severely impact on the uh, the wider career strategy within that particular school Therefore, what is it being filled with this year? So uh, there may be a void, Amos. We'll discuss it, I'm sure, today. Yeah. Thanks for kicking us off with that, Matthew. And there's some really great, valid points you made there. You know, uh, schools, uh, of course, traditionally would invite employers in. You know, I've been to a few careers fairs. I've uh, organised a few careers fairs myself for some of the schools that we work with. And it's always a day that the students look forward to, you know, they come to the office or see in the corridor and say, I'm looking forward to that day. And, uh, you know, I've got so many ideas. I've got my CV ready and uh, looking forward to speaking to the employers, you know, uh, all sorts of stuff, which is uh, really good for the students. Um, but of course, you know, with the pandemic and the way things have been over the past couple of years, it's not being the traditional way. I think the last one I did was 2019. So it seems quite a long time ago, especially for young people. But of course, we have, in my opinion, filled in that gap with the virtual work experience, because what we did was we brought the employees to the, to the schools and we offered them the same experience, if not even more. It was more in-depth because we went into... Uh, the nooks and crannies we went into each employer to find out you know their career path and how they got into the roles that they got into things that they wouldn't have traditionally have had so perhaps you know steve i don't know what your thoughts are on this you know we have made it maybe made changes into the way traditional careers fairs would be organized through our virtual offer yeah yeah well good morning Good morning. Good morning. I just, I just, uh, I'm, I'm in, the, I'm in a college. We've got an office in one of the colleges, and uh, we're near the music room. So if you can hear any noise, that's somebody having their uh, bass guitar lessons, uh, which then re just reminded me that it, uh, Freddie Mercury's uh, anniversary of his 30 years of his death today, uh, which is a, uh, it's quite uh, remarkable, really, that uh, it's been 30 years. So it's made me feel a little bit older. So and I was trying to think back then in, in, when Freddie died, I was at school and I would have been getting my career's advice. Uh, and I actually don't really remember it. I just remember, I think traditionally, you, as we, I think it still happens now to us with you, you go off for your 20 minutes with your career's advisor and that's the, uh, the last time or the first time you're ever going to see them again. 
unless you potentially not got you haven't got anything in the pipeline. So uh, we talked last week about neat students. I think generally students that are, have obviously got supportive uh, um, backgrounds, supportive uh, parents, guardians, or have an idea of what they want to do, generally uh, don't trigger a careers advisor. I think because of the reduced time that we currently, or currently the resources that are available, uh, are probably targeted on students that are really are struggling to understand what they want to do with their transition. I think we can all agree that the availability of a, you know, careers education, uh, information and guidance is critical for a young person's success with their transition and their move into destinations, uh, positive destinations. So you break it down. I mean, I've just, you know, traditionally or historically talked about a careers advisor is just one uh, element of that strategy. I know Matt approached on that as well, is that uh, if you look at, a student and their time uh, within education. I mean, to some students will be having a really an amazing experience when it comes to their wider careers model. It's been expertly uh, interwoven into the curriculum from year seven, uh, and they have significant uh, interactions across all the years that complement their core curriculum. I'm sure that happens. And then unfortunately, I'm sure there's some students that where the school haven't got the time or resources to make those opportunities as readily available to that young person from each year. So, you know, if we break it down, traditionally work experience and one-to-one -one careers interaction is generally the baseline of what a student will experience during their time within uh, their time within school. And traditionally probably in year 10 and 11, not notwithstanding that there'll be people that, you know, will argue that their school does a lot more, and I'm sure they do. But I would also argue there's some schools that will really struggle to get those interactions to that student uh, as readily as, as others. So uh, when I was just going through our uh, Connect server to see what other types of interactions additionally that we put in there, obviously we align our software to the Gatsby agenda, uh, to obviously the Ofsted agenda. So when we look at activity types and uh, when uh, something happens with a student or a group of students that's away from a one-to-one -one, one -one interaction, I was just looking at the type of logs we make available for the educator to log those interactions. So we titled it, didn't we? Titled this uh, careers fairs. Are they still, you know, applicable to this current agenda post-COVID? So uh, they probably they probably are important. They are important. We can't deny the fact that you know putting a forum in place. Uh, where a group of employers can uh, interact with a group of students, I think we'd all agree is, 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 is something that's really important and it's something that we should promote. And obviously, it, traditionally, it would perhaps have been in the school hall, uh, but obviously, uh, as, uh, due to COVID, that's probably been done probably more efficiently remotely. Uh, they've probably had more time um, to uh, get across to a wider audience of students more information where I'm not saying that they wouldn't do that in a, in a school hall, but if you've got students who are just coming around for a five to 10 minute talk, you know, it does limit the amount of information that can be made available to those students about those industries. So I'm just looking now, so we've got group sessions, we've got in-house events, we've got trips, we've got careers fair, we've got um, networking events, we've got uh, assessment days, we've got virtual work experience, we've got mock interviews as, 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 as a, a useful career strategy. We've got employer presentations, employer activities. We've got, we've actually classified part-time employment in there. So so many students are already working. 
uh, and we've got personal development sessions and then that we break that down further you know that can be done um through uh interactions physically with somebody or a group or obviously as we said before it can be done virtually just notice as well it's quite interesting that uh if we've got it mapped across the academic year just uh taking time to support students to write covering letters to create cvs to do self-discovery to to navigate linkedin or social media for online profiles job seeking uh freelancing internships you know, the list goes on and on and on so I think we forget sometimes about how um, what, how wide the potential um, interactions are available to really educate that young person on their career interests and their industry sectors. Absolutely. Um, some great points again there. And I think we have, we've covered a lot of areas. Um, so really there isn't any gaps in what we provide as a company. Uh, for schools. Steve, you spoke there in terms of, uh, you know, careers guidance and, you know, you can barely remember what it was that uh, interview you had with the careers advisor. And uh, obviously from your experience, it seemed that their focus was on those students that needed the extra support. Matthew, putting that question to you, what was your experience like uh, as a young person? Did you have any careers guidance? And uh, following up on what Steve spoke about in terms of what we offer, could you explain and uh, tell our audience about some of the products that we've got in terms of how we cover these whole career strategy areas? I can't remember my careers advice and guidance, Amos, and, and, and we offer loads of things, uh, but I'll, I'll delve I'll delve a little bit deeper. I can't remember last week, Amos, we're so busy, you know, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> There is so much of it. There is the, 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 the box, the toolkit is humongous these days. It's humongous. Our toolkit when we were at school was really small. Now, everything that the, the small toolkit had benefits, i.e., you didn't have to think about anything else in the what in the larger toolkits. You'd open your toolbox and it was a careers license guidance session, and generally it said, go to college, go and get a job, or go to university. It was really simple. It was generally your parents who would tell you about opportunities that they've seen in the newspaper or the, they, they may have got a contact in local industries. So the toolbox was small. The toolbox now is humongous. Private sector has opened up in ways that it was never open or accessible before. The public sector was buoyant when we were at school and the funding was buoyant, the pathway was clear, the toolbox was small. Opportunity now means that there's a lot of confusion. Sometimes less is more in a lot of realms in business and schooling, but the contrast is, is night and day. We, we support, that's our role, we support schools in whatever road they want to go down, what they want to offer students, if it's work experience, it's careers, it's setting up, it's setting up careers fairs, it's, uh, you know, supporting young people finding part-time jobs. We can support bridging the gap. The gap isn't as big as it used to be, but what has happened is that you, a young person doesn't know whether to 
to get on the the which is a load of ferries or cars or motorbikes that are crossing the bridge they don't know which one to get onto because there's so many of them the toolbox is absolutely packed so the question is really difficult to answer because what is better is more options better or less options better uh, there's definitely has to be uh, a hand-holding exercise for every single young person to navigate all the options that are available and unfortunately or fortunately we we add to those options but what we try to do with schools and we have a lot of schools we work with that we make sure that those options are simple to navigate and that we work closely with the young people we're not a standoff company we we speak to young people and our careers advisors are level six well versed in in delivery of of uh the the careers agenda and the gaps with benchmarks and the offset agenda so we, we we try and navigate the ocean but in the way there are so many distractions and young people this is probably i'm probably gonna get into the the realm uh, amos of, of uh, people have so many jobs these days that they work for a couple of weeks and they try another career they try another career years ago young people stayed in jobs for possibly for life for at least for a few years at a time and, and we, we uh, maybe going down things are quite disposable these days that young people think they know that they want to go into a certain career because they may have seen a a standard a careers fair and that stand may have given them a free coffee holder, a coffee mug. It may have given them a rucksack. It may have given pens and pencils. It may have given them an iPad. You know, these things do happen at careers fairs these days. And I think that, God, can young people be bought into certain careers? Well, absolutely they can. And, and industries use careers fairs as recruitment opportunities. Recruitment is, is costly. It's the number one cost for any business out there. Now, to set up a standard careers fair is not costly for these big businesses. But what they're potentially getting is their next pipeline of, 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 of staff, talented staff. Young people these days have got immense talents. They're learning it not just at school, but they're cultivating their craft in their bedrooms, on their computers. So industry professionals know this. This is why I think I agree with Steve that the careers fairs still have a fantastic uh, you know that they should be on the on the wider careers agenda i think they have a, a role to play but young people are definitely confused because there are so many aspects in this toolkit for them and when they get to a careers fair it's like wow i thought i wanted a career in medicine and suddenly i'm working for a sports marketing company how on earth did that happen well, I'll tell you why it happened, because a sports marketing company is cash rich and they gave that young person a mountain bike or they gave them a, uh, uh, an iPad or something to, to, to get into their company. Uh, and Amos, this is the same thing that colleges and universities do, but I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll get onto that on another, another debate. So I, I'm not going to give an answer on this, to be honest. My career advice and guidance is very, very simple. Uh, I can't remember it. But I did go into I, I went to college and university uh, and then I and I got into a job and I stayed in that job for a, a few years. But I we, you look at the labor market information, we look at uh, uh, longevity of staying careers. I think unless a young person is, is absolutely 100 percent committed and that made that may come from family values, it makes come from uh, ancestry. I don't know where that comes from. You would generally find 
a lot of confusion at this moment in time because there is so much choice and we speak to young people all the time. And all you need to do is when we, we recruit, a, we, we recruit, we, we have 20, 21, 22 staff members we recruit. And when you, when you get all your CVs, when you advertise for a position and you get all your CVs in through Indeed, for one position, you, you're getting 100 CVs. And these people have worked in so many different jobs and roles by the time they're 25 years old. It is, it is, it is, well, I don't know whether, again, I'm not going to give an answer. Is it good? Is it bad? They're getting so much experience, but because the, because there is so much choice, it's a little bit cluttered. We just need a good hand holding exercise to make sure that young people can navigate the choices that are available because there are loads. There are loads of choices, big tick in the box. That's great. But what we can't have is young people that potentially haven't got the right advice and guidance. The, the, you know, coining a metaphor, walk into the actual careers fair hall and see all these careers and think that they can do every single one of them. And all they end up doing is going home even more disillusioned than they walked in. So I uh, don't know where I got to with all that, Amos. I think that uh, we have simple pathways. Back in the day, we have more confusing pathways. Now, both have uh, benefits and, and both have uh, their uh, their short shortcomings as well, for sure. Absolutely. Um, when I think about, you know, um, those careers fairs, uh, it was uh, like Christmas had come for the students. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, those companies came bearing gifts. Um, you know, there was lots of uh, goodies for the students. And of course, that will uh, entice them to find out more about that particular organization. We've so. done it before, we've done it ourselves, Amos. We've done it ourselves and, and every company that's there needs, they all talk about a hook, they need a hook. And it, it, sometimes a hook comes in the form of a coffee mug. Wow. Or, or, or not being in maths or English. Well, there's, there's, there's another hook potentially. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, you know, uh, these uh, practices are, you know, they're done everywhere these days. Uh, it's just part of uh, the business, I suppose. Uh, but Steve, you know, Matthew made some great points there. You know, um, schools need you know, that support as well. They need that guidance because, you know, I've gone into schools and, uh, you know, they're completely clueless. They've just don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. Uh, they seem overwhelmed. And having a company like ourselves come in, we're almost like the saviour to come in and just to put things into order. Um, you know, what can we do as a business to help support schools a bit better to understand this sector? Yeah, so if we go back to, again, you know, they this is, this is, this is for any educator and a lot of these people, they will know this and uh, they won't be learning really anything new. But they, what, what we what we suggest is there's four four primary areas uh, before you do anything you've got to have a knowledge base and you have to understand the Ofsted agenda and what's been asked of you you have to understand the Gatsby agenda and what has been recommended to you and you have to then uh, if you're serious about careers provision then you're probably going to want to get the matrix standard which again offers a clear benchmark regarding what quality careers provision looks like. And then you have other um, careers support groups um, that will support and, and guide uh, educators and educator facilities to offer high quality careers provision. 
and 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 then once you've got your knowledge base then you've got to assign somebody who has the time to create a credible delivery model based on their knowledge base and if you haven't got a knowledge base then you can't build a delivery model and if you try to build a delivery model without the knowledge base it's going to fall down before you've even got it in front of the students so before you've even got to advertise these wonderful opportunities to young people you've got to create them and when i talk about you know you're completely right you know some schools absolutely brilliant delivery models and the other schools i've gone into and and i've been talking about work-based learning but i've said listen work-based learning is part of your wider career strategy part of your wider careers provision can i see how that's mapped across your academic years please so i can understand it and these look at your back you know what, what you're talking about you know so you know it, you know for to create a um to create a credible uh delivery model it does has to be interwoven throughout each year it has to flow nicely as the ed, as, as the knowledge that you're trying to hand over builds upon each year so that that, ed, that young person's knowledge increases so that when they come to certain critical points such as work-based learning they know what it's about they've been educated on it over the last three or four years and so really using and also don't rewrite the wheel if people out there have already created some wonderful programs why aren't we sharing why aren't we sharing you know you shouldn't be you know, there's, there's no it's a complete waste of time for somebody to go and spend hours and hours and hours redeveloping something that already exists and and and, and i do spend a lot of time saying to people i don't know why you've created that if you go onto google and go onto the dfe or go onto ofsted or go onto matrix or go onto any of these organizations they offer you wire frameworks to start building uh, your program so yeah my advice is is again i'm not, I'm not teaching anybody anything they shouldn't already know is that uh, don't build anything until you understand what you're building don't try and build it if you haven't got enough time money or resources to do it and then it's all about hearts and minds if you've got a flawed program and then you try and get staff buy-in uh, and and student buy-in and you don't launch it properly then it's going to fail so they're my tips um you know we think we know how to do it and uh we we like you say we have partners we have clients who work with us that we support to do that but even if you don't work with us i think i'd give you a, a few points in the right direction there to go off and build your own programs uh, but also you've got to have a you've got to have tech to help manage and track these interactions you know if you're dealing with high volumes of students you need to report on it succinctly and you've got to then get that data back into your mass reporting so you've got to have tech you've got to have tech to log those interactions because you want the student to also get involved and you obviously want them to see what they you know you've done with them and all those wonderful things that they've learned so having a piece of tech as well to help manage that program is obviously invaluable great closing statements there steve thank you for that and the students are not naive they do know that when a school is investing and not investing um so when they see their friends have got all the tech and the skills have uh, made the effort uh, they see the difference and they can see that they're losing out versus what their mates down the road at uh, such and such school are doing so um, students can see that Matthew what are your uh, closing statements for today's podcast uh, wow lots again I mean I, I, I agree that was really interesting actually I agreed with Steve there uh, don't often agree with Steve uh, but on this occasion, then, you know, the point is is so valid these days about schools investing in a platform or and, and technology. 
to manage and track these interactions. So many times a careers advisor or sort of part of the SLT within the schools are responsible for bringing uh, all these stakeholders together. When they leave the school, they take all that knowledge with them and they, they build that again at another school. And you go through this, you know, Oster, the roster gradings in this area go up and down. A, a platform will allow schools to uh, lose staff members, which is never nice, and they move on to other schools and other careers, but then to actually still have all the data in one place, one secure place. And that data then can feed into, uh, into the Compass Plus, the careers enterprise company, or, or any other management platform that they need to uh, deliver feedback on. So I think that's really, really important. Every young person needs to have their own uh, portal uh, within a wider piece of software that they can easily access as well to see exactly what they've done. And the wider stakeholders, such as parents, friends, relatives, employers as well, can see it. And, and a lot of companies will call it uh, a digital passport as well that, that follows a young person and that they can top up their, their, their learning and knowledge base along the way. But I think it's vitally important that, especially careers advisors and people working in careers in, the, in schools, get away from that. I, I've always spoken about that bellowing shelf, loads and loads of paperwork, you know, action plans, uh, extracurricular activities that young people have, have done. And it never actually goes anywhere, doesn't it? It doesn't follow the young person on their journey throughout their career, which it should do. It used to be the uh, the record of achievement that we all had that uh, that maroon folder, but ultimately, uh, you know, that's probably in everybody's loft at this moment in time. What we, what what everybody's trying to do is digitalize that and make it universal. And the only way you can digitalize it is by buying into a piece of software. I don't think any school really should be using spreadsheets because spreadsheets don't feed into a wider uh, uh, a, a wider platform that then you know feeds into a uh, another platform in the cloud so these these platforms aren't expensive pick the right one buy one uh, you can pick ours if you want <laughs> we, we've got a great one but ultimately pick one record all your interactions on there and then what you do and then you give a young person access to that data for their for their duration of their life uh, which i think is the right thing to do Thank you. Those uh, maroon records of achievements, indeed, who could forget them? Uh, but certainly, I think, you know, uh, skills investing, making them uh, digital. Uh, show, as you said, there's so many platforms out there that they could look at. Uh, so there's lots for skills to invest in. And of course, you can find out more as well. You can check our website, which is changeeducation.co.uk and see some of the products and services that we've got there. We've got some great products uh, that we've been talking about here today i uh, would love for you to go on our website have a look at those and uh, get in touch with us let us know what you think our email address is info at changingeducation.co.uk well from steve from matthew for myself Amos until next week thank you very much